Thank God for the refreshing that comes from his presence. Amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 6. That's where we've been studying for the past three weeks now. And basically we've been looking at overcoming the power of sin. We've established that in our justification, Jesus Christ paid in full for the penalty of sin. And so, over the last couple of weeks now, we've been looking at the fact that not only did Jesus take care of the penalty of sin, but he also gave us the ability to overcome the power of sin. In other words, as a believer, sin should no longer have dominion over us because of what Jesus has already accomplished. And so with that thought in mind, we can just dive into the session for tonight. And tonight, uh, I'm, talk, I'm going to be speaking on the pursuit of sanctification. We already defined over the last couple of weeks what sanctification means. Basically being set apart for the purpose of God, being set apart as a vessel unto God. And so now, Paul is beginning to help us to understand how do we experience what had been imputed into us at regeneration. I think last, last week we established that there are three steps in sanctification or three phases. Phase number one is the fact that we are positionally sanctified when we are regenerated, born again. Yes. And secondly, that we have what we call practical sanctification, and other people call it progressive sanctification, but they are talking about the same thing, practical. In other words, experiencing what had been imputed in us. And then, of course, the third phase is the phase of perfection, which is the perfect sanctification. And we've already addressed the fact that we will only be there in that third phase when we see him face to face. Amen? So as far as we know, sanctification is a work in progress. It's a continuous, progressive work. We are continually being changed daily as we obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, Romans chapter 6. Let me just read some background scriptures here, and then we're going to go uh, into the message tonight. And tonight, really, basically, I want to address the issue of practical sanctification. In other words, what Jesus did, what he impeded into us, how do I work it out? How do I get to the point where I'm able to practice it on a daily basis? That's what we focus on tonight. Again, in Romans chapter 6, in verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Really, that verse 2, that very first sentence, certainly not, could have been said like this, impossible. If Paul had said impossible, instead of certainly not, it would have been the same thing. 
Because when you look at that next sentence, it qualifies the first one. It says, certainly not. Then it goes on to qualify that. How shall we, who died to sin, live any longer in it? Is it possible? If you actually, in fact, died to sin, can you ever live back in it? It's not possible. So that's what it meant when it said, certainly not. In other words, if he was speaking today, in today's contemporary times, he would not have needed to say suddenly, he could have just said, impossible. Because as you and I know, a person who is physically dead can no longer respond to stimuli. Nothing you do to them, around them, for them, moves them any longer. So that's the point that Paul is making. We who have died to sin, how can we live longer in it? It's not possible. That's the leading argument here. And you need to, you need to get into this point right at this point. Because this is, the, this is going to be the, uh, the core of his entire uh, presentation in Romans chapter 6. Let me read that verse one more time. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Okay? Then it goes on. Or do you not know? Because now the question arises, when did you die to sin? That's a legitimate question. Because that's what he raised in verse 2. We who have died to sin, how can we any longer live in sin? So in verse 3, is building on that. Okay? Or do you not know that as many of us our, as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Eh? Can, don't you know? I, mean, I can almost picture Paul. I mean, really getting into the people. Like say, Greg, don't you understand that if you've been baptized into Christ, you are also baptized into his death. It's basically taking them along, trying to paint the picture and show them what actually happened at the cross. You see, for, for so long, for so many times we... We, we, we mentioned the cross as regards to salvation being born again, and that is true. But a lot more happened at that cross. A lot more happened at that cross. Not only did Jesus die as me on the cross, the truth of the matter is, Paul tells us later in Galatians chapter 3, my old man was crucified with Christ. So it's not just a matter of Jesus, one person going to the cross. He did. He went to the cross. But just as all humanity was in Adam when he sinned, and by so doing, all mankind were adopted as sinners automatically. In the same manner, Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation. And so when he went to that cross, the point Paul is making so graphically, he just didn't go by himself and of himself, we were in him. And so in his death, we also died. Everybody, Everybody who is born again also died in that same uh, situation. So the point is making, and if we are dead, how can you continue to lie? Have you ever seen a dead man, dead man that's lying? Or that's in fornication, adultery, highway robbery, and all of those things. 
Okay, now, I know, I know your human experience, you say, wait a minute, but Pastor, but I just lied yesterday. What do you mean? <laughs> I know you're comparing your human experience with what Paul is saying here. We're going to get to that in a minute. But I just want you to see how he's building his case. Precept upon precept, line upon line to help you and I understand what's happening. Okay? Verse 4 here. Therefore, not only did we die with him, therefore now, verse 4, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. So now, three things I want to say before I get into the specific things on what to do. Three things. Number one, the point Paul is making so adamantly, number one is our appreciation. What do I mean by that? Appreciating what has already happened. You have to have an appreciation for what Jesus has already done. Appreciating the fact that the blood was not just shed for the forgiveness of your sins alone, but that his body was also broken for your liberation and freedom from sin. You have to appreciate that. Now, when it comes to sanctification, you need to, you need to consciously receive, appreciate, and understand what's happening with you. You need to appreciate the fact that Jesus, did just, he just did not go to the cross to die and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins alone, although that was true. But that his body was also broken and in the brokenness of his body, you and I became liberated and freed from the power and the influence of sin. You've got to appreciate that. You've got to appreciate that. Amen? Now, I know that our human experience on a day-to-day -day basis, you say, Pastor Paul said this, Dr. Norfolk said that, uh, this man said this, this person said that, but in my experience, it's not so. So now, there's, there's, a, there's a tension in truth here. You know what I mean by that? When you pull an elastic, an elastic band, there's a tension. Okay? So now, the truth of what God says and what you experience every day, there's a tension. In other words, the Bible is saying one thing, you are dead to sin, you've been freed from sin, but you know in your human experience, the tendency to sin is still there. And you're wondering, okay, which, is, which one is true? This is the deal. God always declares the truth. Always. But this, this is the catch. Satan always denies that truth. And this is the third one. You and I must decide the truth. 
God declares, Satan denies, you decide. Huge. I just threw a bomb at you right there. God always declares truth. Satan always comes to challenge that truth and deny it. You can take a choice and decide. Am I going to agree with Satan or will I agree with God? Do you see what I'm saying to you? The scripture says you and I have died. We have died to sin. Truth. Satan says to you, bank, you did something yesterday that violated God. A denial of truth. So, bank, you have to make a decision. Who are you? Are you on the side of truth? Or do you deny truth based on your behavior or your experience yesterday? Did you get that? God declares the truth. Satan denies the truth. You decide which, which, which you believe. Good example. At the Garden of Eden. At the Garden. God created man in his own image and likeness. Gave them dominion over everything. Gave them the ability to name everything he created and God said it was so. Those guys were as complete as anybody can ever be complete. Truth was declared that they were the children of God. Truth. Satan comes to Eve and said, has God surely said? Has God surely said? What's the idea? Denying the truth that God has already established. So they had to decide. And unfortunately, they decided that the truth that God spoke was not valid. And since then, that has been the point of contention every day. Jesus at his baptism, heavens opened up. God's voice was spoken over him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Truth. Satan came to him. If thou be the son of God, denying, seeking to deny the truth that God said about him. Jesus had to decide. Do I make a decision based on my human experience or do I make a decision based on established truth? That's what you and I get to do every day. Now, I know because sanctification is progressive, which means we are making progress on a daily basis. No one is perfect today, but we are working by the grace of God towards that perfection. Therefore, there will be many times when you and I will fall, sin, miss it big time. So when those things happen, how do I deal with it? How do I reconcile the fact that I'm dead to sin and the fact that I've fallen into sin? One of two ways. You can get in a pity party, feeling pitiful, shameful, guilty for what you've done. Or you can agree with the truth of the word of God and say, the person that did this thing yesterday, last week, last month, last year, whenever it was, has been nailed to the cross. It was not me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm dead unto sin, but alive unto God. You've got to agree with what God said, regardless of what happened. You have to agree with God. 
And the more you agree with God, the more you identify yourself with what God has said, the more grace you receive to become what you just agreed with. But when you find yourself in a pity party, because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to nail you and blame and put and define you by that experience yesterday, whatever that thing was. So it's up to you. You can accept that denial of who God said you are, or you can receive the truth and be who God has called you to be. It's a daily thing. Amen? Amen. It's a daily. This is where the rubber meets the road. You have to know. You have to know what God has already said about you. And I'm spending a lot of time on this. I need to get out of this. I remember the story. I watched this. I think it was this year. This young man who crossed the Grand Canyon. Did anybody see that thing? The most incredible thing I've ever seen. I mean, for them to show that thing live on TV. The preparation. The hours leading up to it. The moment before it. His pastor up there with him. And finally, it takes the mo- it, it, it begins to walk. Wow! And step by step by step, as the whole world was watching, it crosses the Grand Canyon. Yes. Now, as I was preparing for this, this is what God said to me about that. That man had two choices. He can look straight ahead to where his destination is, or he can look back. Yes. And if you watch that episode that night, you know if you look back, it was done. Yes. Done. Yes. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, because that thing was swinging back and forth. I mean, <laughs> my God. But he kept his eyes straight on yes. and kept on going. So this is the point. You could look at him moving forward as focusing on truth and looking back like denying the truth. And the point of the matter is anytime you look at that denial, you're going to go down. Jesus said, no man having laid his hands to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we are in a learning process. Yes, we are growing. Yes, we're going to blow it. But the point is, don't allow the blow to become the definition of who you are. That is not you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody said, Pastor, are you not living in denial? I don't care what you call it. I'm living in truth. Amen. You can call it denial. You can call it lying. Whatever language you want, that's your business. But what I'm saying to you is, I know it works. You know, there's a scripture in Romans chapter, chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them or to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. You know what's so funny about that verse? I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible, the sentence where it says, who do not walk according to the flesh, my Bible has a mark on that. 
And in the margin it says, that sentence was not in the original manuscript. Okay, let me read it again. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Then the translators inserted this part. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In imagine my script in my Bible, it says clearly that who do not walk according to the flesh is an addition. You know why? Because the human beings cannot believe what God has said. The translators felt that they needed to help God make, make the sentence make sense. This is what God is saying. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. He did not say, who do not walk according to the flesh. Oh, wow. Who's, who's on the, can you give me the HCSB or NASB translation? Do you know how to do that? New American Standard Bible, NASB. Thank you, sir. Come in, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in, come in. Here we are. Look at this. Look at what it says. I didn't make it up. Look at it. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Period. King James said, wait a minute, this is too deep. Please, let's, let's patch it up so that we can make people feel better. No, that's religion. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. End of story. Why am I bringing that point up? You should never allow your shortcomings to define you. That's not who you are. Amen. That part of you that sinned, that fell, that made a mistake has been crucified. Now, please, I'm not giving anyone here a license or occasion to go and sin and say, that's not me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, you need to understand who you are, believe who you are, and focus on who you are and confess who you are and trust and believe that Jesus' Christ's work in you is finished. Amen. Amen. And that you are receiving the enablement of the Spirit of God to walk in that newness of life. You cannot do that though if you are going back and forth and back. That's the problem. That's why we are not making progress. Because today you feel saved, tomorrow you feel lost. Today you feel saved, tomorrow you feel lost. You are not lost. You are a saved one. You are secured. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, number one, you appreciate what God has already done. You appreciate what God has already done. Secondly, secondly, you appropriate what God has done. You appreciate, number one, meaning you look at all of what God has done. You say, yes, Jesus died for my sins. Forgive me. His body was broken to give me the power to overcome sin. You appreciate that. Then secondly, now you appropriate. In other words, you, you, you receive it. Appropriation means you figure. That's the word that Paul used here. He said reckon. In Romans chapter 6. Uh, where's that verse now? 
Okay, verse 11. Yeah, Romans 6, 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Reckon. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. That word reckon is an accounting term. It's an accounting term, which simply means look at all the facts. Look at all the figures you've been given. Add it together and come to a conclusion. That's what the word reckon means. You look at all these facts, all these figures that's been given you, add it all together and let it make sense and you make a consideration or a decision based on these facts. So when Paul now says, reckon yourself, he's saying, account yourself to be dead on the sin. That's the appropriation. So I appreciate what he has done. I look at everything he's done. And then I receive those things appropriate. I receive it. I reckon, yes, I'm dead on the sin. You need to speak that to yourself every day. You need to remind yourself that you are dead unto sin. And then lastly, you apply it. You appreciate it. You appropriate it. And then you apply it. How do you apply it? How do you apply it? You apply it, uh, where's the verse here? I'm looking for it. Uh, da, 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 da. It says that you should yield your members as instruments. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Yep. Pardon me? 13. Wow. I was looking for that word yield. Is that in verse 13? I don't see it here. Did not present your members as much of I know, but present six thirteen. Read it out for me. Read it out loud for me. Somebody, please. Okay. 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 Amen. Amen. So there's an appreciation that takes place. That's when I look at what God has done. That's an appropriation that takes place, which means I, I reckon and receive these things as true. And then there's an application. That's where I now yield myself. In this journey, everything comes down to choice. I can choose to yield to what God is saying. I can choose to yield to the other voices. Pardon me? EMP. Okay. You see, so, Paul is saying to you and I, at the end of the day, God will encourage us, he will speak to us, he will guide us, but we still have to make that choice to yield. We have to make that choice to yield. Now, very quickly, uh, very quickly. If I'm going to live out my sanctification, number one, I need to know the word. I need to know the word, number one. Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 17, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. 
thy word is truth. So at the end of the day, I'm going to need to know the word of God. That's going to be very important. The word of God is a powerful and cleansing agent. Psalms 119 verse 9. He said, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Okay? And we know for a fact in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, that the word of God is a growing agent. It helps you and I to grow. As newborn babes, we should desire the sincere milk of the word of God. Okay? Number two, and we mentioned this already, actually, and that is that we should know and reckon ourselves dead to sin. You have to really believe that. You have to know and reckon yourself dead to sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 6. Now, I think it's important to, to say at this point that this is not a reference to me and you doing something apart from Christ. It's not possible apart from Jesus Christ. It is God living through us. But the way we do that is by lining up with what he's already said and receiving his strength and his grace to make it real in our lives. So at the end of the day, it's him living through you, not you trying to live for him. That's important you know that. Okay? So this is not an exhortation to die to yourself in your own effort. Yeah. It's important we know that. But we must continue to know this truth, believe this truth, and reckon this truth on a continual basis. Number three. Number three. Surrendering to the will of God. This is where Romans 8.14 comes in. For as many as led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Psalms 119.105. What does it say? It talks about how thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay? So knowing what the will of God is and receiving the help of the Spirit to walk thereby. And lastly, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 talks about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And that simply means allowing the dictates and the promptings of the Holy Spirit to guide me on a day-to-day basis. Amen? All right. I've got 15 minutes left. Let me, let's open it up for questions and discussions. And you appreciate, you appropriate, and you apply. And it's a journey. It's a progressive journey. It's not something you just arrive in one day. Uh, if, a, if a person was born today, uh, t- 21 years later they become, uh, they get into the 21st year of their birth. There's, there's no shortcut to it. There's no shortcut. There's no magic wand. But every day we practice uh, and we cooperate to this, with the Spirit of God, we are seeing progressive growth. Any questions? Yes, sir. You have a question? You have a question? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, no problem. <laughs> Bembe is not here, but uh, Greg. <laughs> He's my son. I'll cover for him. <laughs> you cover for him, okay.
Where's the mic? They're getting a the mic for you. Is it hot in this place or is it just me? It's hot. Very hot. It's comfortable. It's comfortable. I'm sweating. I'm sorry. just hit it in the last uh, state of what you discussed. Even where the word is preached, say where we are in the United States, you have all types of denominations and even denominations like ours, preachers are not the same. This message that I get from here helps to propel me in my sanctification. How many people have this opportunity? And giving that, we say, either in, we say that before, or let me not say we say, um, Giving that, in order to really go through this, you, we said last time that the spirit carries you. I don't know to which extent, if I wasn't here, the spirit will be able to allocate this portion of what I am understanding. I am taking in every Sunday, Wednesday, uh, to align myself to make some of these choices or uh, to see the progressive sanctification of that progressive stage. I, I mean, for example, somebody somewhere in the mountains, somewhere out there, they don't get this word. They don't hear this word. Uh, they, they depend upon the spirit because we said that last time. How much will the spirit really reveal this? <laughs> reveal this to them? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm not laughing at you. It's just the passion with which you're asking the question. <laughs> first of all, first of all, number one, don't underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I think it's very, very important. Yes. Don't, and I can give some examples. There's a guy that I know, and I think most people uh, from West Africa will know this guy, is blind. Okay? And he knows the entire Bible by heart. Greg, I've been hearing the Bible as well, and I can read it, but I don't know it by heart. So what I'm saying to you is, when this guy is preaching through an interpreter or translator, and you misquote a scripture, it stops you. That is not right. That's not what it says. Read it again. Yes. So, so when, you, when you see things like that, you have to know that the Holy Spirit is bigger than our wildest imagination. So don't, don't even go there with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many people are like that, but if one is like that, that's enough. <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say to you is the possibility of what God can do with people whose heart are hard and hungry. Okay? Secondly, to your point, if in fact you are getting what you're getting, just be thankful. Just, just, that's part of a devotion. 
Just say, Father, I thank you so much for putting me in a position where I can receive and learn and grow in you. That's part of, that's, that's part of your appreciation of who God is. Yes. And number three, because of what you've received now, you are now obligated to go find others to teach. That's it. Amen. So go find other people and say, you know what, let me, let me show you what I learned today. And can you imagine if we're all doing that? We fulfill our calling. Because remember this message from two weeks ago or last week about how we all received the ministry of reconciliation. All of us. So there is somebody out there with your anointing waiting to receive the word of God. I can reach them. Only you can. Yes. They are there with your name on them. Greg Tata. Waiting for Greg Tata. You believe that. So go about it, my friend. <laughs> but, but seriously, that's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. I believe you. Amen. 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 There are people that speak your technical language that you can easily reach, that I can reach. And how with your, all the things you know, you share with them, breaks the gospel so, so simply to them. Yes, Miss Diane. I'm sorry, I yeah. missed one thing that you said. What is the third phase of sanctification? First one is appreciation. Second one is... No, ap- positionally sanctified. Practical glorification. And then the last one is a perfect sanctification. Okay. Yes. Glorification. Yeah. Yes, Dr. Nofiak. He's going to ask the question that he's going to answer. I'm just listening to your wife, my friend. See, I'm under, I'm under authority. That's, that's what she said last Wednesday. <laughs> so you um, categorized uh, the sanctification as one instantaneous. In other words, something that happened. Imputed. It's imputed. Yes. Okay. And then there is a progressive yes. sanctification. Yes. And... Now, by the imputed, that is what happens at salvation. Correct. Okay. And that is once and for all. Yes. Okay. Now, what for, for everybody, yes, go ahead. That's those who have received, Se- received salvation, yes. Once and for all. Yes. Now, what part of the underwent the imputed certification and what part of my being is being progressively sanctified? <laughs> Before I let him answer his own question, let me, see, let me see if there's any other takers on that one. Did you understand the question? As triune beings, he's trying to locate which part of us received the imputation of righteousness or sanctification at regeneration. I hear spirit, Miss Spirit. Okay. Anybody else? Marie, what do you say? Huh? Okay. It's correct. It's correct. Your spirit. Your spirit was as born again as you would ever be. Yeah. 
big. Yeah. So now, the progressive sanctification is what's happening with your soul and your body, progressively. Trying to catch up with what already took place in your spirit. You, you see that in the life of Mary. Uh, you can Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, the Bible records how she said, my spirit, uh, how did they say? Rejoiced, past tense, in the Lord. Okay? And then her soul, oh, let me find that scripture. Before I, but there are many more scriptures, actually, that if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's, but there was a particular thing that Mary said that was very... Uh, if anybody else has any question, what I'm looking for this, you can go ahead and take it. Hmm? Luke 1 for the 6? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. That's it. My soul magnifies present continuous. And my spirit has rejoiced. Past tense. Thanks. Yep. So that's what happens to all of us on a continual basis. My spirit has rejoiced. Past tense. But my soul doth magnify, present continuous. Yeah. Yes, Madeleine. You have a question? Maybe <laughs> uh, it's not very related to the topic of sanctification. Okay. But I was reading the Philippians 2 8. Yeah. Where it said, God highly exalted him hmm. and gave him a name above every other name. That the name of Jesus, every name should bow of those on, uh, on, in heaven and those on earth. And of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. When the people are praying, they don't like to pray in the name of Jesus. They just say things like the grace, and they don't, you know, end it with the name of Jesus. And there is one popular pastor here in America that also <laughs> believes that you don't have to pray in the name of Jesus. Hmm. Is that is that true? Wow, I'm not. That's that's. I've never heard of that. He's a very popular pastor. Really. Pastor Joe Austin. Joe Austin said that? Yeah. I was that you do not have to pray in the name of Jesus? You don't have to complete your prayer in the name of Jesus. It doesn't okay. have any problem with people praying without using the name of Jesus. Wow. They tend to pray well, praise God. Jesus. Well, God bless him. Amen. <laughs> I have absolutely no comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. I believe that's the the, I mean, the, the only way we approach the Father is through him. Particularly if you understand and believe the message of justification by faith. Because the only reason we stand righteous before God is not because of anything we've done, but because of the righteousness and the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, that's the only name under heaven which any man can approach God. So, but, I mean. So if you call God directly, 
you wouldn't recognize you. <laughs> you wouldn't acknowledge you. <laughs> Pardon me? The question is, if you go, call God directly, will he acknowledge you? Give me an example. Just shout it out for me. Let me just know. Shout it out to me. Let me. How do you call him directly? Just let me. Yeah. Lord, Lord. Yes, 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 it's Lord. Yes, that's why. Yeah, that's why. That's why I want you to. That's why I want you to say it to me. Where's the Lord of God? Jesus is God as well. It just depends on what you are saying. My understanding from the question or the comment is that you make a petition to God but you exclude the name of his son. And the only right I have to approach God or his throne is through my most high priest, who is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. You know, I, I would not want to... I would not want to define even Joel Austin based on the basis of that. I'd like to be able to speak to him and ask him what does he say. You see, because this is the thing. You, you hear things in sand bites. You don't know the context. And, and the media today, I'm telling you, they can make you say anything they want you to say. They really can. You have to understand that. So to that degree, I have to say, I don't know what he's saying. And until I ask him and he explains to me where he's coming from, I just leave that alone entirely. <laughs> I think the confusion comes when people don't believe in the Trinity because I've had to uh, uh, worship with those people too and they because they don't believe in the Trinity they don't emphasize the name of Jesus so you kind of have to <laughs> decide on yeah. What you do, baby. Yeah. Now, if I know, if I know, uh, I know John Joel Austin's pedigree. Uh, his father was a strong, 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 firm uh, Bible teacher. Uh, so I, I, you know, that much I know. But I don't know. I'm not familiar with what's going on there now. Sister Shadi has something, and then that will be the last voice. <clears throat> Yeah, that's the largest picture in the United States. Okay, uh, my question is, uh, in the light of this, when we pray, do we have to ask for forgiveness of our sins every day, every time we pray? Wow, how much time do you have, ma'am? It's, it's exactly 8.30 now. The reason I'm saying, the reason I ask that question, the reason I ask that question is, I don't want to give you, I just don't want to give you the answer I don't have time to explain where I'm coming from because then I'll be like Joel Austin. I'll be misquoted and mis... <laughs> no, seriously. 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 I have to defer the question to answer at another time, but let me, let me just throw this out to you to help you understand where I'm coming from, from that. The speed limit in the most part of the U.S., or most part of Georgia is what? 55 miles an hour? Yeah, yeah okay, 55. Let's accept it's 55. How many people here on any given day drives beyond 55 miles an hour? No. I can raise my two hands. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, beyond the speed limit. Okay, okay. Okay, all right. So, so we all understand that we have the law. Okay. Exactly, 5 or 10 above. Okay. 
Every time you drive at 56 miles an hour, do you confess that sin? No. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this night's time. We bless you as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'll come back and address that in full later on. I threw that out there to get us thinking. 